0: words that are used frequently.
1: I'm glad I stopped using Facebook when I stopped using Facebook.
0: Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. (laughs) The risk has been taken. (laughs) If I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing.
2: Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent
0: material. Ryan, pull down your pants. (laughs) (laughs) JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking
1: dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good.
0: (laughs) He asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where
1: you're going with yep.
0: this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about
3: his buttocks.
0: I think your butt is telling you, no mas, poor favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it.
3: Powered by DNR
0: Studios. <laughs> and now...
3: The one, the only, Adam
2: Sank! Bottom.
0: Hey hoes! It's Adam Sank. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode if you're listening on Saturday, April 20th at 11 a.m. on dnrstudios.com. Leave the podcast, your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to it. Email me, me at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page, donate to my AIDS walk page at adamsank.com and download my second and final comedy album entitled... Adam Sank's last comedy album, available on every audio platform you can think of. On today's show, we are going to be speaking to the director of a brand new documentary called Cherry Grove Stories, which documents the history of this famous historic gay enclave on Fire Island. Um, If you've never been there, it really is an amazing place, and he um, went to Fire Island to Cherry Grove and interviewed people who'd been coming to the island since the 1940s. He's got a lot of, of really um, amazing octogenarian LGBTQ people who have terrific stories. And he also, um, I want to ask him how he did this. He, he, he has tremendous vintage film of, like, drag shows from the 1950s that went on in Cherry Grove. It's stuff I've never seen before. So we'll be talking to him a little later. But first, I didn't get enough of him last week. So co-hosting once again is everyone's favorite allegedly straight comedian, Kevin Israel. Kevin. You brought me back. You're back. Again. This time you're naked. This is I, I in your head. You're letting it all hang out. Yes
2: it's not hanging it's more just kind of sitting.
0: I know we we learned last time a few things about Kevin. His penis is not impressive, he mm-hmm. says. No. Um he when he's at the gym, he changes into his in and out of his underwear with the towel wrapped around yes. him, yes. which is infuriating to me.
2: You know what I always wanted in in and I don't know if that happens in gay porn, but it happens in straight porn a lot. When the guy takes his pants off or the girl takes the guy's pants off and his huge dick pops out and she goes and she looks like she shocked, gasps. like they like they just saw Godzilla coming down. Yes, I've always wanted that moment, right? And I'm never gonna have it, like exactly, unless, unless I find a midget. or Real something. Real
1: talk, even with the guys with the humanoids, that I I don't give them that sort of pleasure or idea. It's you fight phase. it, you yeah. Fight, ah, stone Stoneface, they don't, they don't need to know they have a big. They number. know though. They know. They, they they're do like ah, oh, he's yeah. They do know, but they don't need me to give them validation. <laughs> okay, we I validate
0: that shit. I validate that parking. I stamp it's good it. Good for you. I have a stamp. <laughs> That says, this is a big dick. <laughs> and I thank you for it. Um, well, we went right there. Kevin, last week, uh, as the show was ending, I asked you if you had ever been to Fire Island. To even Because Fire Island, people think it's just gay. It's actually mostly straight communities. And then there's two gay ones at the very tip, so to speak. <laughs> Cherry oh. Grove and the Pines. But you've never been to, because no. you hate Long Island.
2: I, I, I went to law school in Long Island. And as as soon as I, I remember driving off after I graduated and said, I'm never going back to Long Island. And I still have had to because I made friends out in Long Island. So I've gone back a number of times. But I hate driving there from Jersey. It's the worst drive. And it basically is New Jersey. Like Long Island and New Jersey are almost interchangeable as far as the people, the traffic, the attitudes.
0: It depends on where you go in New Jersey. Like where I grew up is nothing like Long Island, but I think the Jersey Shore And South Jersey, it's a lot like Long Island.
2: But I feel like there's parts of Long Island that also are not like Long Island. True. I mean, country
0: club towns. Yeah. But for people who aren't from here and don't understand the geography, uh, Fire Island runs parallel to Long Island. It's considered part of Long Island, but it's actually a totally separate island, and you have to take a ferry to get from one to the other. So Fire Island is very secluded, and there's no cars. You walk everywhere on these little boardwalks, and there's woods and beach and... It's really a beautiful place. And Cherry Grove um, is the older of the two gay communities out there. And it's still the one that has like more drag queens, more lesbians. It's, it's, it's very eclectic, whereas the Pines are all boys who look like Kevin Israel <laughs> strutting around in Speedos.
2: I'd probably do well there, too. Mm,
0: you would okay, do so well in Fire Island Pines. So we're going to be talking to him. Um, Kevin, I want to start today with talking about Amy Schumer.
2: Let's kick it off good. Do you know Amy? I do not.
0: I knew her uh, a little bit before she blew up, and I always liked her, and I always thought she was funny. Um, I feel like when she almost won last comic standing and really became famous, I feel like she wasn't quite ready for it, and she says this herself, but I think she's developed into a really strong comedian. Do you enjoy her comedy? No. You don't? No. How come? I
2: don't think she's a, I don't think she's a strong joke writer. Uh, I think she relies on the same shtick she's not my she's not my she's not my bag now i don't i don't fault people who think she's funny i'm not one of those like a lot of comics will be like they're not funny right and that's it like i get that people think she's funny and i get why people think she's funny to me it's not it's not my it's not for me and i'm not gonna and it, a lot of people pander and be like oh you know no, she's really funny and i don't i just it's not for me like i wouldn't listen to her if if i'm listening to pandora or something and she comes on i'll skip over it
0: I think I agree with you about the, her ability as a writer. She's not like a great craftsman when it comes to jokes. I think what I love about her is her persona, and her crowd work is really on point. I've done live shows with her, and if someone yells mm-hmm. something out, she is on that so fast and so brilliantly. She's a smart girl.
2: Yeah, I've never seen. I never. I've never seen her really funny,
0: and, and her show I thought was groundbreaking. The, the Amy Schumer on Comedy Central that was just a terrific show, but. Um, The reason why I bring her up today is because she has a new comedy special on Netflix, and she made a couple jokes that involved gay people, and there has been clapback. There's been uh, blowback by certain people in the gay community. Um, At one point, she launched into a rant about gay men who marry unsuspecting women. She says, we all have that friend married to a gay guy. By the way, I wanted to play the actual jokes, but they're Netflix licensed and I don't want to get sued. Um, So she makes a joke about like when when a woman marries a guy who's obviously gay and everyone knows it except her. Um, And also she made a joke about straight men seeming gay if they act too sentimental or romantic and says something about how all male costume designers are gay.
2: So, that's oh, so a really original, groundbreaking, non stereotypical It's hard to judge
0: the jokes when we don't hear them. But, so some of the tweets were.
1: Actually, I remember that was from her last stand up, right? Yes, I, the most recent I, one. I didn't think it was funny.
0: Were you offended?
1: Like, okay, I'm not usually offended by Amy Schumer or her work. With that joke, I just. I don't know. It just didn't. It wasn't funny. It didn't feel right to me. And I thought she was lame for. It. Yeah, that that was lame.
0: See, I think as gay guys, we joke all the time about guys who are obviously gay when they get married to a woman. Can yeah. I can I say something real quick yes. about
2: Amy what I think the the issue was? And so you saw her when she was coming up, when mm-hmm. she was really grinding, when she was probably wor- working on a lot of material. And I I call it it's always the second album syndrome mm-hmm. when comics hit big like that and it suddenly it happened with Dane Cook. Their first album they come out is always great because they've been working on that material for five, ten years, however long. So the first album's honed. It's the material is there. And then suddenly they, they hit and an album company says, well, you need to come up with another album right. in six months. And so for you go, you from need a whole new hour of material. Right. So you went from developing it over 10 years to developing it over six months. And it's, and then again and again, and you have Netflix going to people and offering them three, four, five re- album deals. and, you're never going to get that same quality of material out of a lot of these comics. Like a Dave Chappelle or a Chris Rock, who are guys who are constantly writing and have been grinding it out for decades doing this. They're, they're, they're more proficient at, at creating material and they probably also have writing teams. Amy had one, her first album hit really big. She did a lot last comic standing and then she had to produce more content. And a lot of it just felt like it was repetitive. A lot of it has you know, she's been accused of taking material, whether or not that's true. I don't know. And then a lot of it, I think she falls back on the lowest common denominator and stereotypical stuff, which could push her audience away.
0: Well, be that as it may, I don't think that a comedian making jokes about gay people is necessarily homophobic. I always look at what is the intent and who is the target. To me, a joke about a gay guy who marries a straight woman is making fun of closet cases and making fun of clueless women. It's not making fun of gay people. I agree. Um, and I just think we're in this culture now, and this is the bigger discussion I wanted to have with you. We're in this clapback culture now mm. where people, it seems like people just live for being offended and for telling you why what you just said or what you just wrote or what you just posted on Facebook is wrong. It's been happening to me with great frequency. Really? And I <clears throat> i try really hard when I speak and when I write something um, to be thoughtful and to be clear and to and to take into consideration who might be hurt or who might be offended by this. I consider myself a pretty sensitive person. That said, comedy, there's always a victim. That's why they call it a punch line. Right. Someone's always getting punched in comedy. And there's no such thing as a joke that doesn't offend someone. There just isn't. Not a funny joke anyway. And the point of comedy is to make us laugh at things that would ordinarily make us uncomfortable, angry, scared, sad. You know, Joan Rivers told jokes about the Holocaust. Gilbert Gottfried told jokes about 9-11. I love them for it. We need that. It doesn't mean the Holocaust is a laughable thing or that 9-11 is a laughable thing. It means that when we are, as human beings, when we're in the depth of despair and misery, we have to find light somewhere And it also shows
2: that we're taking a tragedy or a difficult time and we're kind of owning it. And we're now saying we can laugh about it, right? We can, we can move on because we can laugh about it. And it's stuff that we've probably all thought and we're, and, and the comedian takes all those, that kind of group mind and turns it into a joke and everybody can breathe a sigh of relief right, and go, ah, and move on. And now you're right. Now, every time there's, there's no, no group can be talked about, no, you know, whether it's a disability, whether it's a an orientation, whether it's a rate, you can't talk about anybody because somebody's going to get pissed off and then you're going to lose a sponsorship or a job or something. And there's nothing left. There's yeah. just nothing left for us to laugh about. And it is a terrifying time as a comic,
0: especially right now, when there's so much darkness in the world and in, in our country. It's like we need to be able to laugh at ourselves and we need to be able to put things in context. So I made what I thought was such an innocuous posting on Facebook a few weeks back where I said. Um, I want to start a class English for reality stars where I teach them that it's not me and him hooked up last night and it's not um irregardless. And I was just, I basically gave examples of like grammatical and syntax errors that reality stars were constantly making that drove me crazy. And it's, I'm sort of known as a grammar no, Nazi. A it's grammar kind of my Nazi. persona oh. and I own it. Well, like 97 people liked it and, 97 people left funny, you know, comments building on it or saying like, and also this and also that. But then I had these four or five tedious people who decided it was their opportunity to educate me about how there's no such thing as proper grammar and that that's a racist, classist concept and... Different dialects are just as valid, and English is always changing, and blah 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 blah. And I was just Wait, like,
1: "I'm I'm confused. What do you mean? There's no such thing as proper grammar." That's what
0: they said. They said basically, grammar is a concept that, like the the wealthy, white, powerful people have imposed on people who aren't privileged um, to make them feel lesser and to keep them out of of privilege.
1: Hence, why we teach everyone these words so they can know and educate and grow. Of course. Each one teach one. You don't. People are dumb. I, can't, I hate right? everyone else. I mean, there here's the thing. That, that's my answer.
0: Language is one of the few things that anyone can learn. Yep. Anyone can learn their own language Lake, and a foreign free. language. It's free it's free. it's out
1: there. It's not restricted by governments or laws. Like, you can't. To, to be. I'm sorry. It just bothers my spirit for you, for people to have such stupidity to language or to words in general. It's just. I'm sorry. And
2: also, the, and also, good grammar. The concept behind it is it allows you to communicate directly, concisely, and be understood. And so people can understand you, right? When people use improper grammar, and when when grammar gets bogged down by slang. You start to you'll read something. You go. I don't understand. I don't understand. Right. I don't know what that means. And
0: also, you know, I've studied Spanish for many years. When I speak Spanish, I try very hard to speak it as properly as I know how. So I try, the I really Spaniards work can understand it. You. So the hispan. That's a callback to last week. It, it's first of all, it's out of respect to people whose native language it is. Sure. Um, that that was bad grammar right there, uh, for whom Spanish is their native language. Oh, Thank you. All right. Um, but it's also I want to be understood. Yeah. I want to be understood in any language that I'm speaking. And right. so I work really hard. And I get that not everyone cares. Most A lot of people don't give a shit. They think it's not important. You're allowed to have that opinion. But don't clap back at me on my Facebook page, A, for making a joke, Yep. B, for making a joke that did not target any specific race, gender, age, nationality. I'm saying reality stars who come in every stripe. Right
2: Now, everybody's always going to look. I made a joke last year. On Ash Wednesday, about that Ash Wednesday is the day that every Jew who's ever been looked at funny for wearing a yarmulke can stare at you all and go, "You look stupid." Something Hilarious. like that. Something, and it was that wasn't exactly what I said. People got angry and were like, "You're you're demeaning our religion. This is an important day." And I was like, "It's a it's a joke," and you're walking around with dirt on your forehead. Right. Like that's that's the easiest joke to make.
0: And most Catholics that I know would find that funny. I mean, again, it's about being able to laugh at ourselves, but. The, my bigger point is if you see something on my Facebook page that upsets you or you disagree with or whatever, you don't have to tell me you can just scroll past and ignore yep. it yep. do you know how many fucking things I see a day on Facebook that I disagree with or that I think are stupid or I don't get or I, just you leave, know how many times just I move start, on
2: I start writing a, re- a response to somebody and delete them I, the amount of comments that i've deleted right because i just said i don't it's not, i shouldn't even get
0: involved because it, life is too short yeah. and we don't have to always be policing each other and i get that y- that you not you but one gets a shot of adrenaline when they start clapping back and saying here's why you're wrong and here's what you need to know and you're but especially if you consider yourself my friend, these are people who I'm Facebook friends with. Yeah. And my usual response, and it was that day, is to unfriend them. If you're only going to leave me a comment to, yep. to teach me about what a piece of shit I am, then you're not a real friend and I don't need you in my life.
2: And we only get 5,000 friends. That's so, right. So you know now what?
0: I'm trying to reduce every single day. Um, I'm, we're going to skip way ahead because um, we, we got hung up on this conversation. But it was a good conversation and I do think everyone – Needs to take a breath. Relax. Lighten the fuck up.
2: Put your computer down. Put your phone down. Walk away from your computer. Go outside, and just remember, there's more to life.
0: And when someone makes a joke, ask before you get angry and outraged, and tell them why they're wrong for making the joke. Think about what their intent is. Right. And if their intent was to make you smile, and you didn't smile, then at least appreciate the intent. Yep. You don't need to tell them why they're a terrible person.
2: There are bad jokes.
0: There are bad jokes, and also some jokes. Some people think you're hilarious, yeah. and other people hate. I'm sure that at least half the people that have ever heard my jokes hate them. I'm fine with that. As long as the other half thinks I'm funny, then I'm— then all I'm, you
2: need. I'm 500 batting average. Right? I
0: was just going to make a sports metaphor, but I didn't <laughs> have the vocabulary for it. Um, I want to skip ahead to this story uh, about an actor named Brett Austin Johnson. This is a new one for me. He's an up-and-coming actor. He's openly gay. Uh, Apparently, he stars in a romantic drama called Five Feet Apart, which tells the story of two teenagers struggling with cystic fibrosis who meet in a hospital and fall in love. I know Kevin's going to rush out to see that. Wow. Um, The film actually grossed over $52 million at the box office, so he's a legit actor. But what caught my eye is that he has come out as a virgin.
2: Is that something you have to come out as? Apparently.
0: Bottom he might be a bottom. Is that?
2: That's, that's a big bottom. thing now, people coming out. There was that guy on... Um, uh, Hashtag no tops left. Uh, what was the 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 Bachelor who was a virgin? And yeah, I didn't believe that either.
0: Deal. I thought that was a crock of shit too. Um, he basically says... Were you talking about Colton? I, I still think he's gay. Well, so does Howard Stern. Oh, really? <laughs> Howard was like, if you're a professional football player and you look like that and you've never been with a woman, it's because you don't want to be with a woman. Yeah.
2: That's fair. That's fair.
0: Um. Anyway, I'm trying to find the part where he talks about being a virgin in this interview. It's the headline of this article on queertie and then it never I think I'm missing a page. Anyway, <laughs> I say that if you again, if you're an attractive, openly gay 21-year-old and you haven't had sex, you're just not interested in sex.
2: Yeah, that's you're not even trying. Everything everything I've learned over my past four appearances on this fine show Make it sound like if you're a decent-looking gentleman who's got his hygiene together, you can probably get your dick wet.
0: I I agree completely. And finally, Kevin, John McEnroe, the John McEnroe, has revealed who the most well-endowed tennis player in the game is. I've been wondering this for years. Do you want to take a guess?
2: I I can't even. I don't know tennis well enough.
0: Well, McEnroe was (laughs) like that. That's what would help you is if you knew tennis. (laughs) But I can't even You know about what their dicks are.
2: uh, You know, big hands, something. Well,
0: McEnroe sat down with Andy Cohen— on uh, Watch What Happens Live and Andy asked him and here was McEnroe's answer. Okay, John McEnroe, with all the time that you have spent over the many years in locker rooms with tennis greats, who was the most
3: (laughs) well-endowed? It pains me to say this very much because he was one of my hated rivals and I'm giving him a lot of credit right now. Yvonne Lendl. Really? Wow. Really?
1: Yeah.
3: Wow. <laughs> it, it, it really it, it depresses me to have to admit depresses. it on this live show.
0: Yvonne Lendl. He had the hammer. There you go. And I mean, that's kind of exciting because Yvonne Lendl is hot. Is he? But I was sure that McEnroe was going to say Bjorn Borg. Bjorn Borg. Because, A, that was McEnroe's biggest rival. Second of all, Bjorn Borg is like 6'5". He's Scandinavian. He's got the long blonde hair. I just pictured him having like a dick that would hit the floor. But no, apparently uh, Yvonne Lendl. Good for Yvonne. I know.
2: Somewhere, do you think he heard that? And Yvonne was like, yep.
0: Well, yep. here this is what I I was going to ask you about this. Would you be upset if there was a rumor about you that you had a big cock?
2: Would I be upset?
0: Yeah. No. I would be thrilled. Oh, actually, I wouldn't be thrilled because then people would be disappointed when they actually saw well, it. Well, yeah, there's that, but. But but I know these guys with big dicks who actually get upset when when everyone talks about it, and I'm really? like, really? Why is that upsetting to you? Or women who have big tits and they're like, I'm so tired of people talking about my tits. It's like you should be happy. When I was That's a, a good thing, I think as junior
2: or senior in high school. A kid I went to school with. Everyone started talking about that he had a really big dick, and he took it and he ran with it. Yeah, he he would hang it out the bus. He would like hang it out, <laughs> and he his dick was everywhere. Did was, you see it? Yeah, it was, was it, huge. Was it really big? Oh, no, it was huge.
0: Oh my god, it was
2: And and I mean, it be, he like it could have gotten its own sponsorship. Like his dick was everywhere. That's what I would do. I would just yeah. walk around with
0: it out all own the time, it. and I would wear like ridiculously tight pants. Okay, let's do a quick LGBTQ pride roundup, and then we will talk to our guests okay there's a ton of pride festivals coming up jasper pride festival in jasper canada april 19th through 22nd it's philadelphia black pride april 26th through 29th that is this is their 20th anniversary jb can you turn down the music just a little bit 20th anniversary of philly black pride it's dallas southern pride which is another black pride event april 27th april 27th through 30th is Phuket pride Not fuck it, Kevin. Get your mind out of the gutter. It's Phuket Phuket Pride in Thailand. And staying in Asia, April 28th and 29th, it is Tokyo Rainbow Pride. Can you believe how many Pride festivals there are, Kevin? I just
2: think the Phuket Pride, that must be bananas.
0: (laughs) I want a t-shirt that says Phuket (laughs) Pride. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is the director of a new new documentary called Cherry Grove Stories. It chronicles the history of one of the oldest and longest lasting LGBTQ enclaves in the world, Fire Island's Cherry Grove. Here's a clip from the film.
3: I met a guy and he knew about Cherry Grove. Uh, I hadn't even heard of the place. So we came out here for a weekend
2: and we stayed at the hotel. And there was an awful lot of dancing right. in those days. There was nothing but men out here. You had one or two women, I think, but essentially there was nothing but a mass of, of young men in their 20s and 30s. And coming out here with a boyfriend was like going to a whorehouse with your wife.
0: And joining us in the studio is the film's director. Please give a warm-ass welcome to Mike Fisher.
2: Ass open
3: to the wind!
0: Hello, Hello, Mike. I don't think your mic is on yet. Hello, Hello. Mike's mic. Hey, welcome. Am I on now?
3: You are on. Okay, good.
0: Uh, Mike, thank you for joining us. Sure, Congratulations on the film. Thank you. What made you want to make a film about Cherry Grove?
3: I think that it was probably one of the first gay and lesbian enclaves in the world. If not in the United States, definitely. And I've been going out there for a lot of years, and I would meet these older people when I first started going there, and they would have these stories about the olden days and Fire Island, and I was just fascinated. I mean, so I thought, let's make this documentary about these stories before these people pass away, because I think it's important for young gay people to learn what it was like back in the day.
0: Absolutely. And the film, I, I was really touched by the fact that the film features primarily older people right. in their 80s. Right. Um, you had one guy I know who's 87.
3: Yes, yeah, George Cabell. He is the guy who actually escaped a meat rack raid by laying in the bay with a straw in his mouth, breathing <laughs> under the water so they couldn't arrest him.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we need to talk about the meat rack <laughs> Okay, the we, will. Meat we, rack will. we will meat rack raids. But um, how, how did you find all of these these older lgbtq folk and and get them to tell their stories on on your camera
3: well i think the the part that's pretty obvious when you watch the movie is i'm friends with all of them yeah so they were very easy interviews they weren't like guarded or weird about it so they would tell me things that they wouldn't normally tell anyone else and i had a friend of mine write 44 questions and i asked everyone the same 44 questions so there were some format to the thing. Um, And I just really wanted to focus on the people that were older before they pass away. One of the guys has already died who was in the film, Mm. Juan Poochin, the Asian guy. Uh And so uh, I think it was important to capture them before they go. And some of these guys had been coming to the island since the late 40s. Right, right. So I tell this story. So when I first went out there, there was this gentleman named Michael Delisio, and he was probably... Sixty-five, seventy. when I started going there and he was a great storyteller and he told this story that uh, at the beginning of Cherry Grove there were guys in like their 20s 30s who would go out and every Saturday night they would have a dinner party and there was no running water no electricity nothing but they managed to somehow make dinner so one night they said let's have a hat party next weekend so they all came back to the city and they got crazy hats and they Had a hat party. So then they said, let's have a high heel party. So they all went back to the city and they got high heels and came and had dinner. And then the next week they said, let's stop like screwing around. Let's just do a drag party. So they all went back to the city, got dressed, you know, got their drag, came out and they had dinner. And on the walk home, two of the guys that were in drag leaving the one house, going to their house, were arrested by the Suffolk County Police. Right. Because and they were,
0: simply being in
3: drag yes. was against the law. Yeah, really? and they took them off the island, booked them for lewd and lascivious behavior in Sayville. and back then they would publish your name in the local newspaper and you would lose your job.
0: Wow. Yeah, it was it was like a public shaming, um, in addition to the legal troubles that the one would face. You right. Know, one one of the things that struck me about the film, uh, and I and I want to ask you in a moment how you got the, such incredible vintage. Film, right um, is that the spirit of Cherry Grove and sort of the spirit of gay culture in general has been remarkably consistent I mean you you show in this movie uh, drag parties from the 50s right that look very much like the drag shows of today <laughs> except that our drag is a little more sophisticated but drag promiscuous sex Um, And this overall sense of silliness and campiness and just do whatever you want to do and be whatever you want to be, that's
3: been around for 70 years at least? It has, but I think it's going away and it sort of depresses me. That was the best part about Cherry Grove and still is the best part about Cherry Grove. Everyone is welcome there. Yes. And the other communities, not that they're not welcome, but they're not celebrated. So in Cherry Grove, that has always been the celebration, you know, that people come out there to really do whatever they want to do and no one's judging you. And I think in some ways what happened on Cherry Grove in the early days informed the
0: larger gay culture. Right. Uh, I mean, or maybe it went in the opposite direction. But the people in the film describe that the things they would do on Cherry Grove, they couldn't do. Even right. in New York City, right,
3: right, they couldn't right. congregate, right. with the with other gay people on the street because they'd be arrested for that. Exactly, and you couldn't have women's clothing in your house. If you had any women's clothing, and the police came in and they searched your house, and you had I don't know whatever you wanted in your closet, you would be arrested. Wow. Talk a little bit about the dancing and
0: how that would work with um, with when gay men wanted to dance with each other in the early days, what they would have to do.
3: Well, there always had to be a woman with them. So that's sort of how line dancing started because there would be a line of guys and one girl and mm-hmm. it was okay as long as a girl was involved. So what would happen was they would dance and then there were always, you know, they were very smart about being raided. So somebody would like, blow a whistle or do whatever and all of a sudden a girl would get up and start dancing with them because if the police came in and you were dancing with a guy you would be arrested
0: and and you have a woman in your film who says you know the women would be dancing with the women the men would be dancing with the men and then as soon as you'd hear that whistle or the lights would come on right. they would suddenly right, right. like it was like musical chairs it was like dump your partner and find someone of the opposite <laughs> sex and right. start
3: dancing with them right can you imagine
2: no that's crazy
3: I mean, I think that's the thing that's so important about the film that you're—you don't even know this stuff. And oh, well, Kevin, straight. You are. Yeah. Oh, well, still, <laughs> I know it's hard should, to believe. You should know about it. Anyway, <laughs> he should. But like kids today don't, and not that I want them to, like, be so tortured by the fact that everyone back there was arrested and stuff, but just they should know their history. Absolutely, that is,
2: and that is very significant. Uh, that the laws were like that and that I think that's and we were talking about it on the uh, on the last show about how a lot of we didn't learn this growing up yeah, they, that, don't, that, they that's didn't not teach gay, gay history education.
0: yeah I think this is an important work of of history absolutely um, but interestingly the film makes the point that these men and women who went to Cherry Grove were not particularly political. We're not part of
3: the LGBTQ rights movement. We're not part of the Stonewall crowd. Well, you have to also understand that back then, if they did a production in the local community theater, they did not put their last name. Right. Because if they put their last name, everybody would know who they were and they would be arrested. So a lot of the people were just in fear, like they did not want to lose their jobs. They did not want to, you know, be ostracized or Whatever would happen, they just didn't want that to happen to them. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I think politically, it may not have been that they were out campaigning with posters, but you know, there is something political about allowing people to come and be free where you are. Absolutely, but it must be said, the film, the people in the film are overwhelmingly
0: white, and there, this was a place of privilege. This was not a place where the you know the homeless, drag queens, and trans women that that were the uh, sort of the impetus of the Stonewall riots.
3: Well, that's untrue because Marcia used to come out to Cherry oh, Grove. Oh, she did? Oh, yeah. Marsha P. The time. Johnson. And the thing that was wild is that she would come out, and she always wore a suede skirt. I don't know if you remember that about her. And people would sort of be like, oh, here we go. But, yeah, she did come to Cherry Grove. And the reason there's not a lot of African Americans in the film, they died. Yeah. There were some there, but they're gone, and I didn't have the chance to interview them. Well that leads us to to AIDS right. which obviously had a had a monumental
0: impact on Cherry Grove as it did in, in the gay community at large. I'm amazed frankly that you were able to to find and that you're friends with so many elderly gay men in their 80s cuz I don't know any. Right. And to me and they
3: say it themselves in the film they're they're incredibly fortunate to have made it. Right. Yeah, I mean it was a luck of the draw. It was really impactful, though, when I first started going out there in 1985. I would walk through the meat rack, and the meat rack was empty, and all that was in there were piles of ashes with roses on them, because everyone wanted their ashes scattered in the meat rack. What's
0: I'm
2: sorry. What's
3: the so meat the rack? meat rack, oh. Kevin? Is
0: this um, stretch of woods that separate the two gay communities, the Cherry Grove and the Pines, and. To get to, from one to the other, you either have to take a water taxi, you have to walk on the beach, or you go through the meat rack. And the meat rack is this infamous, or was anyway, this infamous sort of maze of, of trees and paths um, where there was always sex going on. It still happens today, but it's not so Not much. nearly. I've gone to the meat rack looking I for bet. it. and it, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, have you uh, have you partaken in the meat rack? Of course. Activities? <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's hard to find someone there. The, mostly it's just tourists on their way from the Grove to the Pines. With it a is. Basket. It is. And
3: there was an issue with the um, park rangers were harassing people. Yeah. Is that, that still happening? I think it's going to lessen. Um, but yeah, it was happening because some straight people had come through the meat rack. The meat rack is this tiny little strip of land. It's not even. So it like a,
0: like a fifteen-minute walk to get from one right, side to the other.
3: Right. And these straight people would walk through and they'd see two guys fucking or whatever and be all upset and they would. Report Kevin, would it. you and
0: Ashley uh, report us if you <laughs> saw no, that? No. I actually
3: have seen a straight couple in there having sex too. Sure. So, sure. I mean, and they're I always th-
0: trying to infringe on our culture.
3: That was the one thing that I did learn about the documentary that Fire Island in general has always been this hedonistic place. Yeah, and it just so happens that Cherry Grove became the gay place. So talk about the meat rack, um, as the as the men in
0: your film do, and the women. Right, <laughs> I right, like right. the woman who says, "We didn't have a problem with it; we just didn't go there." Exactly. Uh, it, in its heyday, it really was like nothing else in the world, right? Nothing else existed like that at well, that time.
3: Yeah, particularly because it was pre-AIDS, so all bets were off. You could do whatever you wanted to do, and. I, look, I didn't get there until 1985, so it had sort of ended because I was in that AIDS, you know, high space. Um, but the people who talk about it, it was like daisy chains all night long. <laughs> Do you know what that is, Kevin? I know it's a daisy chain. <laughs> Straight people know what daisy chains are.
0: <laughs> we, uh, we were talking about pegging on the last show.
3: Oh, uh, right. And yeah. the, the woman straps yeah, yeah, yeah. on it. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something
0: Kevin is not interested in trying.
3: I learned about that on Sorry. this show on TV. What show? Broad City. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what changed? When did the police start raiding the meat rack, and why did that happen?
3: I think they started around 1975, and th- then they raided it, and then there were a lot of political uprisings about it, and they stopped And recently, there was a superintendent of the Fire Island National Seashore who wasn't so lenient. And he encouraged his rangers to go into the meat rack and arrest people. And they would fine them. I think the fine was $250. And you had to appear in court, and it was a mess. Mm -hmm. So I think since he's gone, it's going to go back to just a more pleasant place, not so harassed by the park rangers.
0: It is so crazy when you think about it. You, one of the guys in your movie, I think it's the, the one who tells the monkey story, <laughs> says, why don't they go out and look for
3: terrorists? Right, right. Why right. are they
0: bothering us? Right. What are,
3: who are we hurting? Right. Plus, Fire Island is, I mean, 17 miles long. There's a lot of wilderness area. that c- They could be patrolling looking for sick deer or something. Why they're worrying about gay guys blowing each other is beyond me. But anyway.
0: The deer, by the way, are a serious problem really right. everywhere right. yeah they've overrun yeah. the island and like they'll stand on the boardwalk in your way and they won't move i wonder how deer even got out there they it, swam what
3: yeah really yeah, i've
0: i've heard that it was there was a land bridge at one time that the deer crossed cuz i've heard i don't think a deer could swim that far
3: oh they can swim also you know years ago the whole bay used to freeze yeah that's and they what could i heard walk okay. across
0: yeah i think that's more like it because I mean, a deer i mean it's a 30 minute ferry ride in deep water I
3: don't but I've a deer... seen a deer jump off the, the boardwalk <laughs> in Cherry Grove and swim out over the dock and come back on land. So, very... I did
2: not know. I've learned so much today. I didn't know deer could swim. They're and... very
3: aggressive out there, too. <laughs> and they, they get in your face. They're
0: covered in ticks. They eat everything. You can't, take your gar- you can't leave your garbage out like in an unlocked bin or the deer will eat it all. And one year, we had a deer give birth at the foot of our walk. And was there the whole weekend, like, hovering over, like, trying to give birth. And we didn't, you know, you don't know what to do. It was awful. I hate the deer. (laughs) It sounds like
2: the deer are a much bigger problem than the gay guys blowing each other. I mean,
0: they are for me. Sort of, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Totally. So, uh... Mike, tell us how you got the films. The film is incredible.
3: So Cherry Grove has a very rich archives collection, and people donate their old footage and stills to this group, and they preserve it, and they have a vault off-island, and they were very nice to me and allowed me to use all the footage. I mean, of course, I had to restore it, retouch it, and do all that to it, but some of it is really amazing. I really was very,
0: uh, touched by it. I would, I I found myself rewinding a bunch of times to, to watch something again. Um, First of all, the the campiness, right? The swishiness, the right. drag, and the just kind of prancing about. Again, I felt like this could be today. This could be right now. It
3: still is today. Like, yeah. you come to Cherry Grove, don't you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's still there. That's why everyone's like, "Oh, I wonder what will happen to Cherry Grove." It's been there for a long time.
0: Well, I knew that gay gay people had been coming to Fire Island since the fifties. I guess I didn't know how um, how far our sort of Sensibility went back. I thought in the beginning they were probably very conservative looking, but <laughs> you have these guys these beautiful men who You know most of whom now must be gone in speedos and they're prancing around on a deck or they're right. all wearing heels right, 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 It's just fascinating to me that when you think about the 50s in America and such a, a Conservative time and you had the Red Scare and the McCarthy hearings and you know, so such terrible homophobia that you still had this thriving subculture um, behaving this way wherever they could, right. safely. Right, and I he,
3: think they really wanted just a release from that society. Yeah. You know, they wanted to feel crazy and different. Is that, why, is that why that
2: Fire Island and that part of Fire Island was kind of the spot? Because it was away? Yes. And there was that sep- level of separation? Yeah, from-
3: and there's a guy in the film who talks that they used to ask you who you were staying with when you got off the boat. Because the straight guys from Seville would come over and beat people up. Jeez. So there was sort of like this underground, let's protect ourselves from danger.
0: Yeah. And, and at one point in the film, uh, someone talks about the fact that they actually tried to keep straight people off the island to protect right, right. The,
3: the, the queens that were there. And when, it, when drag first started there, it was a big attraction. So everybody was pouring in there. And it was just gawkers all day long, and it was overwhelming because there was a lot of garbage. Now it's exactly
0: that way at the Ice Palace. A those little bit. drag shows are overrun by those. You want Kevin was saying how he hates Long Island. You want to see like the typical Long Island douchey straight people. They're the ones who who oh, but come in for a hate date long trip. Some I've, of them
3: are nice. No, I
2: don't. I I I don't like the just the 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 work that takes to get to Long Island. The traffic on Long Island. I live. I'm from Jersey, so I already have it. So like, I'm not going somewhere else to deal with the same crap. That's... Well,
3: you can take a seaplane. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that easy. Then you have to deal with anything. Just fly over, Mike. If you would tell us the monkey story. Oh, I can't. You've got to watch the film. You, there's like I, a monologue. There's a monologue. And don't in the middle say of the anything about it to him because it's part of. It's an epic piece of the movie. It was actually right in the very middle of the movie for that reason, because it's really hysterical. It's the
0: kind of thing where I could see like a- an actor or a comedian memorizing it and performing it on stage as oh, a really? monologue. Well, Bella,
3: the guy who says it in the film, used to do it. Oh, he did. Yeah, act. yeah, yeah. And the first year he did it, I was at, the, at his show and I was so hysterical. And the show was always around my birthday. So every year on my birthday when he did that show, he would tell that story. So I had to have him do that
0: story. So I promise I won't spoil it, but (laughs) it's about a a very sort of prissy, uppity queen that he knew that was in his social circle who was known for having like lavish parties and who was always always walked around with a cappuccino monkey on his shoulder or a cappuccino monkey, as as, uh, Bella says. (laughs) Um, And how one night... Bella had an encounter
3: with the monkey at one of the parties. That's oh, all oh, I I'll tell it. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to watch. I mean, it really is amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, How
0: is the Pines different from the Grove? And when did the Pines even, because you don't mention it much, when, when did it first become what it is now, which is sort of like Muscle Beach?
3: I think that um, the Pines, I remember uh, Craig Eberhard, who's since dead, told me that John Eberhard, who owned the Belvedere, they wanted him to build it in the Pines, but there was nothing there. You know, there was no development. And Cherry Grove is already a community. And they used to come down the beach with bullhorns selling property in the Pines, and no one wanted it. And it started out as a straight community, the Pines. And there, I think there's signs over there that talk about the rules of the community, like, no outrage, whatever. I don't know, because I'm such a Grove guy. Um, but the thing, the Pines has a very investment in a brand, like... You have to be that brand to sort of fit in there.
0: Right. The Grove is very welcoming to people of all different shapes, sizes, genders. Color, everything. Color, absolutely. The Pines is overwhelmingly young, white men in fabulous shape with money.
3: Well... They don't all have money. Well, some of
0: them don't have money, but they've got something they can barter (laughs) with. Exactly. They're selling something. Their dick, their ass, their body, (laughs) something. A lot of them are hookers. But (laughs) but yes, it's a very different vibe. Totally. And when I was young, I, of course, went to the Pines because I thought that's where I was supposed to be. Right. But over the years, I found myself becoming more and more attracted to the Grove. And now I'm certainly the right
3: age to be in the Grove. Well, um, you know, the thing about the Pines is it really isn't a gay-owned and operated community. The majority of the houses there are owned by straight families in Sayville. Right. Because they realized that they could buy these big houses and rent them to the Queens and make a ton of money. So that's what they did.
0: So we're not really helping ourselves when we spend a lot of money there. And by the way, it is incredibly expensive to go to anywhere on Fire Island. Because um, remember, it's an island and it's what 20 miles away, 17 I think 17 miles away from the mainland which is Long Island which is also an island so in terms of getting supplies yeah. food groceries uh, batteries anything you would need to buy is twice as expensive right. because they have to float it out there and there's only one store in each community, basically, where you can buy groceries. So what you'll see is these queens getting off the ferry with like a thousand <laughs> giant ba- shopping bags filled with stuff from Costco that they brought from the city or from right. the, or from Long Island, right. from Sayville. Right. Um, and you just try to use that as much as you can without having to to go shopping. Right. So uh, we have to talk about the invasion. Okay. And Kevin's a perfect audience for this because he has knows nothing about it. All right. Um every year
3: so do you want me to tell it yeah please please tell i was just going to give
0: the general and then have you fill in the no go ahead no i don't want to interrupt you you i have a bad habit you'll know it better than i do
3: so in i think it was in 1976 there was this uh queen named terry warren and terry always looked like he was in drag whether he was in drag or not he was a hairdresser in new jersey and him and i think two other people went over to the pines to have dinner and they were in drag, and the guy who owned the restaurant that they went over to have dinner at asked them to leave. So they came back to Cherry Grove, and they were all, like, crazed. Like, how could you ask somebody to leave just because they were in drag? So there's this guy, Tom Hansen. This is obviously after the laws
0: had changed, and it was no longer illegal to be in drag. Right, right.
3: It was 1976. And Tom Hansen went back to the Grove and organized this flotilla, And they all got in a water taxi, maybe 10 queens dressed in drag, and they went over to the restaurant and demanded that they eat dinner. And they sat down and they had dinner and everyone applauded them and blah, blah, blah. So it turned into this event that happens every summer on July 4th in Cherry Grove. And it's called the Invasion of the Pines. And Tom Hansen, Pansy, still runs it. And people come out and they dress in drag and they come to Cherry Grove and they take a ferry over to the Pines and they get off the boat and they invade the Pines. (laughs) But it's massive. Yeah, it's massive. It now fills an entire ferry, <clears throat> not just a water taxi,
0: but the same ferry that takes you from Long Island to Fire Island is now the ferry that takes the drag queens <laughs> from the Grove to the Pines. That's awesome. And yeah. everyone comes out to watch. If you're not in the invasion, you're watching the invasion. Right, right. It's like a national holiday. And the the outfits are so amazing. I, mean, I
3: have so much footage of it. From years past, and they're really stellar. What these queens can come up with—it's so crazy. creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite—I
0: think it was the first invasion I ever saw—was probably the late '90s when I was in the Pines, and I saw this fairy come in, and I was just overwhelmed. I mean, one of them is dressed like the Pope, and <laughs> and the best one I ever saw was this queen was dressed as the Mona Lisa. Right? Do you remember right, yeah, this? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name?
0: And it was so brilliant because he had a frame around him. He had a square frame and you only saw him from the waist up. he looked exactly like the Mona Lisa and he had the face. He was like you know, doing that <laughs> right, little right. half smile. And his, his lower half was a pedestal with a curtain. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. it literally looked like this painting was just sitting there <laughs> right, on a pedestal right. and he moved sideways. And it, it, I thought, my God, like, how do you come up with that? I think
3: his name is antique. Believe antique. it or not. Yeah. 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 Ah. yeah. Yeah, there's really creative costumes. It's crazy. Mike,
0: Mike have you ever done drag and participated
2: I in the invasion? I did
3: drag once, twice in the invasion, and I used to be younger and <laughs> we all were thinner. Yes, we all were. And I got dressed in drag. People didn't know I was in drag. They thought I was like some woman from Long Island who got lost. That's the uh, ultimate compliment, <laughs> I guess. What was your drag name? Oh, uh, Selexa. <laughs> Isn't that an antidepressant? Yeah. <laughs> so-
0: I first of all, I love a one-name queen. Yeah, I mean, share. Yeah, and Alexa, that's good. Kevin, have you ever been in drag for any reason? Yeah, Uh, my
2: fraternity, uh, we did. There was a talent show, and you had to do. It was called. It was air band. It was basically lip syncing, but it was like in a big. Every every fraternity and sorority had to do it, and we did some something from the Blues Brothers, and I was a pledge at the time, and there were. You you couldn't have, bring in people from outside the fraternity, right? So I had to do. I was one of the women in the, oh, in the nice. performance.
0: Now I'm imagining with your butt chin, you were a horribly unattractive woman.
2: Oh yeah, it was bad. And I think I had <laughs> at the time I couldn't grow a full beard, but I always thought that I could. So I always had some level of facial hair, and I refused to shave it. So I definitely had that with the with the wig. Oh, and,
3: see, I disagree. I think you could be amazing. Not with that chin. Oh yeah, that is a with man's the bright chin makeup. He's got. Come on.
0: I think the butt chin is is a dead giveaway. I don't giveaway. know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my, he d- you do have kind of a, a round face, which is better face. for drag. Oh, your sister does have a butt chin. Yeah, one chin? of my
2: sisters. Not as not as deep. Oh, but poor things. Right. She's she's pretty. She's pretty.
0: I mean, I have seen your, your the cover of Kevin's comedy album uh, is him in his high school marching band, and you were a very pretty boy. So if you looked more like that than the man you are now, then maybe you could. Yeah,
2: it it
3: was, I, would, I was definitely closer to that than this.
0: Mike, tell people how they uh, can, can screen this, this film.
3: So I will tell you in a minute. Um, Breaking Glass Pictures, they're releasing the film on DVD and VOD on June 4th in time for Pride Month. Perfect. The film will be available on VOD through iTunes, Amazon, Prime Video, Google Play, Voodoo Handango now and on demand through local cable and satellite providers such as DirecTV, Dish Network, and others. Wow. Good for That's you. Everywhere. And there's a and there's a website. Uh... Yeah, there's a website now called cherrygrovestories.com and you can go there and there's the trailer for the film and it'll give you information about how to do it. But it's Breaking Glass Pictures in Philadelphia. I recommend it. I think it's really, it's
0: one of those films like The Celluloid Closet um, that's just really essential to LGBTQ history and that uh, particularly young people should watch it. But I think everyone would enjoy it. And those of us who have been to The Grove um, you know, for me, it was like, oh, my God, there's the Belvedere right. in the 50s. Right. It looks exactly like, the right. same. Those right. white statue, those, the those lion statues yeah, yeah, yeah. are still there. You right, know? right. It's right. amazing. In the time we have remaining, I want to play everyone's favorite game with you. It's called Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me
1: No Questions. Okay. Ask Me No
3: Questions. Yeah.
0: This should be fun. What's the craziest thing you've ever personally witnessed in the
3: Grove? Oh, God. Oh, someone in the invasion with a real donkey. They rode in on a donkey. Yeah. And it was alive. They allowed them on the
0: ship. Yeah. On the ferry. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was not what I was expecting, but that is pretty crazy.
3: (laughs) What was their costume? Um, I think it was like Mary. Mary and Joseph, like Mary and a donkey. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Good sacrilege that goes on. Yeah. With the it's very time-based. So there yeah. were a lot of Hillary Clintons
0: and things like that. But go ahead. The essence of, I feel like straight people you know, don't always get this, the essence of camp, the essence of, of drag, is to, to blow up something that is sacred and make it ridiculous and silly. I feel like totally. that's kind of the secret of gay culture. Um, the most legendary Grove drag queen of all time, in your opinion... Um, Bella, Bella, who's in your movie yeah, 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 I also was very taken with uh Rose well Ro- Rose Levine. I, sh- I
3: mean i i yeah i I sort of classify Rose as a performer, yeah, more than a drag queen,
0: more than a personality
3: yeah how old are that those two guys ish <laughs> if, ish they're over seventy let's leave it at that <laughs> they're they're women of a certain age exactly I mean they look great. And well, Bobby Levine, Rose Levine, does a show at Pangea every year that's Still. off the hook. Yeah, you should come sometime.
0: That's another great thing about The Grove is that you don't age out of drag no. like you do in some no. in most places. You they just, just get keep a, doing you it. You
3: get a jazzy. It,
0: exactly. <laughs> uh, fill in the blanks. Fire Island Pines is blank,
3: but Cherry Grove is blank. Fire Island Pines is normal, and Cherry Grove is insane. All right, that works. I was—I thi- mean, I could think other things, but, you know.
0: <laughs> I was thinking you were going to take it to a sexual place. Yeah, you uh, want me to, don't do. you? Yeah, I can oh, tell. Okay, so I the guess. next one, come on. <laughs> all right, uh, let's see. Well, I've already asked you, have you ever had sex in the meat rack? So I guess, what's the craziest thing you've ever personally witnessed in the meat rack?
3: Or taken part in? Personally, a guy... Tied to a tree blindfolded for two days. You were that guy, weren't you? <laughs> no, wasn't it you? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Now that kinda of worries me actually. No, it might have been you. <laughs> he was <laughs> Did I people... have seen lesbians in the meat right too. Uh, to
0: having Oh, oh, that's having what I wanted sex. to ask you about. So your film brings up. The Donut Rack. Right,
3: right. <laughs> there was this rumor that on the opposite side of Cherry Grove, there was this land where the, the lesbians would go to act out sexually. And it and was they, called the Donut they Rack.
0: They called it the Donut Rack. Why? Because of a donut. Oh, no. You're JJ Come is on. a donut. <laughs> so the, les- the lesbians in the movie are like, "There was never a donut rack. There were only 20 lesbians on the whole island. What do you think? Right. <laughs> So funny! I had never heard of the donut wreck, but let's go back to the guy who was tied yeah. up for two days.
2: How did he survive? Yeah, did people feed people him, him
0: and give him water and stuff? Not just cock. I mean, did they feed him? Well, food?
3: maybe urine. I don't know. Oh. Like, oh, Jesus! And you can survive for two days without food, not comfortably. Yeah. Well, the whole thing. You're or would you be comfortable tied to a tree? No. Which way was he
0: tied to the tree? Um, ass out.
3: No. Oh. No front.
0: So let's. I hope the answer is yes. What, did he consent
3: to this? I assume. <laughs> <laughs> the police were not involved. Were, were people talking to him to make sure is he, he was still okay? there? He <laughs> may be still there. I'll have to check. So was it like a Dom sub thing? Or? I think so, yeah, probably.
0: This no. is the, When I was telling you earlier how I'm a vanilla whore, this is the stuff I would never be interested in. I'd, after like 10 minutes, I'd be like, all right, fucking untie me. This is yeah. bullshit. But,
3: but they wouldn't untie you, and that's what would make it so exciting. For them, maybe. Well, yeah, you don't know. I'd be like, you may have to explore it. Oh, I hate being <laughs> restrained. Explore it, Adam, and get back to I this. hate
0: being restrained. Right, that's why it might be really good. I get freaked out when someone puts their hand over my mouth for a second. That's like the worst thing you can do to me. That's my trigger. Um Wow. Triggers are good. Were people blowing him? Like, what was happening to him? Was he I playing?
3: just, uh, I really did not stay to witness the experience of him. <laughs> I like I that just, you just walked through that. Like, yeah, just, through, oh, I just well, at, it's like New right. York. You know, somebody's laying in the street half dead. You just walk by. That is <laughs> true.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of fucked up shit in New York. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what's the craziest thing I ever saw on Fire Island.
3: On Fire Island or in the meat rack? Well,
0: in the meat rack, the pines or the grove. Sexually or. Just in general, like what's the most outrageous? Well, I can tell you this is not going to be shocking to you at all, but I was once uh, at someone's house and they said, Do you want to see the dungeon? And I was like, Sure. <clears throat> now, this is a famous house in the Pines. I, I can't remember uh, what it's called or which one it is, but they, the carpet in the living room, there's a square that comes up like a secret trap door. You go down a circular staircase and you are in an orgy room that was built four orgies and i was told by the owner that this was a built in the 70s by straight people who were swingers and this room has nothing on it but carpeting and like a ledge where you can like position a yourself Oh, but having. carpeting mm. i would not be yeah i mean i would hope that they would lay down plastic
3: <laughs> hose it down but or something yeah. <laughs> i didn't have sex
0: in there i didn't see anyone else having sex in there. He mm. just was, mm. no he just was showing it to me now the underwear party <laughs> that goes on weekly Right. During the summer months there's a back room and right. but that's nothing I haven't done a million times. Yeah. I mean that's not shocking yeah. to me. Yeah. Um a friend of mine once had a sudden attack of diarrhea
3: at the underwear party? At, no, thank God.
0: <laughs> as he was walking to his house from the ferry uh-huh. in the pines and could not wasn't able to make it to his house so he just jumped off the boardwalk, pulled down his pants and had diarrhea as people were passing. Like in broad daylight. That's Mm. probably the worst story I've ever heard. Did he
3: throw a towel over his head? Uh, I
0: I think he was actually just crying. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Biggest celebrity you've ever spotted in Cherry Grove?
3: Um, Spotted
0: or been there? You actually spotted or met or... Um, Oh, Carol Channing? Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Now, I heard stories about Carol Channing... uh, who of course is close friends with Jerry Herman, who always right. had a house out there. Right.
3: Well, plus Jerry Herman wrote "Hello Dolly" in Cherry Grove. Yes, at the Ice Palace.
0: Yes, which is a legendary thing. And didn't Carol Channing used to send him soiled underpants as a joke because that, uh, he was into that kind of thing? That's your thing. I don't. <laughs> You've never heard that
3: story. <laughs> Scat is not my my lane, nor
0: mine. <laughs> Mike Fisher, thank you so much. The movie is called uh, Cherry Grove Stories. Go to cherrygrovestories.com for information. How can people follow you online if you want um, them to?
3: Just go to Cherry Grove Stories
0: or that's enough. Kevin Israel, yes. thank you for being here. Tell thank people uh, how they can follow you again.
2: Uh, Twitter, Kevin Israel underscore NJ. Instagram, Kevin Israel comedy. And just find me on Facebook.
0: Buy his comedy album. Buy my comedy album. It's called Adam Sank's Last Comedy Album. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Sank. Bye, everyone. I love you we